0: Hello and welcome to another week of Movie Magpies. This week we are talking about the much-beloved animated film from 2001, it is Spirited Away. I'm your host as always, William Mortlock, and with me is my co-host Monique. Without any further ado, let's just get straight into it. So, Monique, what is Spirited Away about?
1: I'm going to give you the Netflix summary. The Netflix summary is Chihiro wanders into a magical world where a witch rules, and those who disobey her are turned into animals.
0: I feel like that summary doesn't actually get enough of the point because there is. There, like, what I said in the review is that this is a very simple film story wise. However, it encapsulates so much, and I feel like that summary. Probably the first time I, I have disagreed with a summary, but I feel like there is so much to this film that just isn't encapsulated by it.
1: It's almost the reason that I wanted to read it out. Thank yeah, that's you, fair. Sir, for making fun of me. That's what I
0: just do. Just because
1: it's so off-brand for the actual movie. Yeah. And that's the summary on Netflix, which is super interesting to me because people getting turned into animals really only happens once, and it's like yeah. in the first third of the film.
0: Yeah, no, it really is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and they threaten to change our main character, Chihiro, into a pig once or twice, but yeah. no one really ever follows through.
0: No. And what I, I also find it very interesting that we're deconstructing the summer, and while we are, I want to just quickly deconstruct where the line, where a witch rules. It really doesn't feel like Yubaba rules this world. She kind of no. just feels like... She almost feels like a manager at a small, like, cafe...
1: Yeah, anything... it's like a very fancy, home-owned restaurant vibe. Yeah. where It's not like a big chain of things, so she definitely is the highest up in this franchise, but also it's the only one. It's not like she owns a chain.
0: Yeah, and in, in a weird kind of twist on things, or not a weird twist on things, it's quite realistic for this kind of depiction of her where she's like the manager or the boss of a small restaurant or cafe or whatever but she is subject to the wants and the needs of her clients or her customers and as a result she actually doesn't come across as feeling like the all-powerful enemy or the all-powerful figure in this world because she's almost like at the whims of customers which i really like because it's actually quite funny in the film and it's very fun to watch her this figure who is ultimately incredibly powerful and we see that we're given clear indications that she's a very powerful witch but she uses that magic for like the littlest things and then as a result is also like just in servitude of her customers if anything and i find that really funny to watch and genuinely a testament to this Mm -hmm. film because it does humor really well but does it really in a really subtle way that doesn't make it overbearing Which I do like Mm
1: -hmm. I suppose I completely agree with you She's very powerful But she mostly uses her powers to like Not get dirty when she's in the bathhouse And not have to touch the floors And all of her Customers are literal Spirits so it's not like she has much Power over them anyway
0: (laughs) No it's very interesting It's a very interesting depiction and I find that super cool And I'll I'll get Into it a little more at a later point But we want to start off with the characters because i think the characters are one of the best parts of this film Mm
1: -hmm. of course
0: the design and the landscapes are incredibly gorgeous but that we'll get to that right after this but the characters are super lovely to look at in depth with your favorite characters specifically in the review you said haku and the dust sprites were your favorites
1: i love the soot sprites they are my absolute favorites yeah but as i said in our review i've actually been very familiar with this movie i watched it when i was younger and i've grown up watching ghibli movies so of course like any respectable adult i definitely had a soft spot for haku when i was growing up (laughs) yeah
0: that's fair but with these characters i'll get onto haku in a moment but The soot sprites, they're these little figures in this movie, and they don't actually show up that often. But I think what the animators did, and the writers, I assume, did really well, is that they poured a great deal of characterization into them so that they all seem a little bit unique from each other and no two are exactly the same in respect to their personality. They look exactly the same in the animation and their design but their characterization is almost slightly unique to a point where you could almost tell some of them apart just based on how they act and how they move and sure they all follow each other in their work but it ultimately ends up with them being quite unique in their own little ways which is quite lovely to watch and it's this lovely little thing that for a, for an animated film it, that was released in 2001 it puts a great deal of attention into these little things which is really lovely
1: and I also think it's very interesting that out of a lot of the recognizable things from this movie one of them is no faces mask and one of them is the soot sprites like a lot of paraphernalia especially that's made by fans rather than licensed has usually the soot sprites eating their little sprinkles and I just, I love how adorable and how jam-packed with personality these tiny little characters are. Yeah. That they almost became a staple of, you see someone with a little charm of a black ball with eyes and a little pink sprinkle star in its hand. And you're yeah. like, oh, they like Spirited Away. I think it's very cute and yeah. very, and I th- very... I do,
0: yeah, I, I do find it really interesting that the soot sprites specifically became... These iconic little characters that weren't overused in a weird way when especially with character design like this that is so simple they're basically ball like just black balls with little eyes and spindly arms and legs it's such a it's such an easy character design that it's so easy to draw and so easy to replicate but it's so underused and it has well i don't mean to say it's underused but it has not been overused so they remain this iconic little thing that people still look back on and love and they're not it's not like a it's not like beating a dead horse with these kind of character designs they used once and then kept like that and that's why i think that they're so lovely because they have that special kind of uniqueness to the film that they don't show up in anything else other than my neighbor totoro they actually show up again but that's because they also have a mythological presence so it's That's fair enough But they're not ever overused in the film either They show up twice, I think As in they're only in two scenes, really
1: Yeah, two scenes And in the first scene They seem to just be For the majority of their first scene They seem to just be enchanted to work Yeah. But then the second that Chihiro helps Because one of them accidentally gets squished By a piece of coal They all go, hang on I can work with this. And yeah. immediately they all have their own little personalities. And I really love the way that they're introduced. I really love that when they're brought back, they're given this sort of awe-like wonder over Chihiro. Yeah. And just the fact that they eat sprinkles. I I love them so much.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's fair enough. I think it sh- serves as a really good example of the level of effort that the animators went to for all background characters as well because the background characters in this film there are like a great deal of characters well a great deal of background characters in this film but they're always doing something and they're always doing something unique and it doesn't matter to talk about too much because basically it's just it is just this vibrant bathhouse with people doing things and working and serving customers and things like that but it's animated in such a way that it gives Life and atmosphere to the bathhouse, which is, if you look at it on paper, is just a drawn series of rooms with a drawn series of two-dimensional characters who have been made three-dimensional with their animation and with their personalities that are exhibited through the way that they act and move and do all of these things. But I wanted to also just because I led with your favorite characters, so we want I want to talk about Haku as well. Of course. In that the plan with him was that they planned to depict him as definitely being otherworldly, but then also being quite transient, I think was the word that they used. And as a result, Haku never actually looks any characters in the eyes. He looks through them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And for An animated film in 2001, this concept seems immensely difficult to pull off. But they did, of course, because Haku ends up having this transient kind of presence. And it's because of the eyes and the way they animated his eyes, where they rarely move a great deal. He doesn't blink a whole lot as well. He's very
1: intense, but subtly
0: so. Yeah, and he never—he looks pretty much through a person as opposed to at a person. And I think that's really clever in that you can do a whole lot with illustrated animation, but you have to have the ambition for it. And I think Spirited Away and a lot of the Ghibli films do that perfectly. With some of the other characters, because I want to talk about most of the characters, I'm not going to talk about all of the characters, but with characters like Lani, is it? Yes, it's yeah, Lani. With characters like Lani and Kamaji, they show this level of compassion in such a subtle way that it is almost stuff that you try to pick out while watching.
1: Oh my gosh, it's Lin, not Lani.
0: Lin. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> We're
1: so good at taking notes. <laughs>
0: yeah, but with Lin and with Kamaji, they both care quite deeply for Chihiro, but neither one of them shows it outwardly. They it's... do it in little things, where with Lin, it's like, I snuck you another bean bun, or with Komaji, he catches her as she falls.
1: Like, she literally breaks through the roof yeah. of his place, and he doesn't panic, he just kind of goes, Oop, save! What's going on? You know, his first instinct yeah. is to make sure she doesn't get hurt, rather than to avoid the debris of the roof collapsing yeah, above them. and
0: it's really interesting because Komaji is the, the multi-armed dude mm-hmm. in the boiler room but he's a character of multitasking but in this moment he stops doing what he's doing to catch her and it's this it's this visual evidence that we're shown that he does care about her because he stopped everything he was doing to catch her and he pretty much doesn't stop what he's doing to even drink or eat so it goes to show the this level of care. And then also, sure, in the end, he gives her these train tickets that he'd been holding on to for 40 years, which in a weird way is, it's incredibly kind of him, but it's not the kindest thing he does for her or the strongest uh, evidence of his kindness to her. And I think that's the moment where he catches her or puts his life on the line to say that he, that she's his... Granddaughter.
1: And I think that's one of the things that I really love with Komaji. Um, yeah. Of course, take a sip of water anytime I say love in comparison to anything of this film because I will be saying it a lot. Yeah. But he's so caring towards her and yet gives off this very uncaring cool vibe because of course when she first comes in he's like go away don't want anything to do with you I'm just the old man who's a slave to the boilers yada 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 and then the second somebody else comes in and goes what is this human kid doing here he's immediately like oh that's my granddaughter I want to get her a job like immediately immediately sticks his neck out for her he's die
0: for her yeah
1: exactly absolutely no care about the fact that he could possibly get in trouble for aiding and abetting her here yeah just yeah No, i'll help her she's got grit i'll like her spunk i just love him for it
0: yeah that's fair there are a great deal of other characters i think yubaba we've talked about at length i think no face is a very interesting character but only within respect to he mirrors the behaviors of the people he's around and as a result he becomes more corrupted around the greed of the staff within the bathhouse and then less so around chihiro but i feel like we could talk to death about him in that sense but it's, it's it'll always be the same kind of stuff in that it's his character trait. Is more that he is just reflective.
1: He's definitely a mirror for yeah. whatever energy is given to him in almost the most basic form that a character can be. He swallows yeah. the tiny little greedy frogman and immediately yeah. becomes much more greedy himself, which is very interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think though Zeneba is an interesting character and we're given insight from the get-go of her even foreshadowed introduction that she's this cunning, clever witch, and a very similar character to Yubaba in more ways than one. But for the most part, she's just a nice Yubaba. So I'm not really going to talk about her too much. She's great in the story, but ultimately it's not this huge kind of thing.
1: She's great in the story because she proves that preconceived notions about a person aren't always correct. Yeah. But really, she is just the twin and opposite to
0: Yubaba, another yeah. character
1: that we've already spoken about. So yeah,
0: so I wanted to get us slowly onto the world building because I promised that I'd talk a little more about the idea of the softer world building within *Spirited Away*. So I wanted to quickly ask you first in regards to soft world building, in that we're given explanations about the bathhouse. And about specific characters. Do you think you would have preferred to have more explanation into the world into the spirit world than you were given in this film? Or are you happy with how much you were how much information you were given about the spirit world?
1: Knowing how Ghibli movies work, I enjoy that this one I think it does really well with what it's got. I don't think there should be any more exposition. Personally I like a little bit a little bit of exposition, but that's a personal preference. I don't think this film needs it, and I am perfectly happy watching this film in the way that it is. Of course, it is very pertinent to note that I have grown up watching this film, so I am very intimate with the details of it as well. So to me, it doesn't feel like it needs anything. It's always been this way, and it fits perfectly.
0: Yeah. So... I would say that's more of a designed intention because Ghibli films have this soft world-building style to them
1: mm-hmm. in
0: that you're not given insight into the world itself, you're given insight into the characters and how they react around it. And I think that's a much better way of, of introducing us to a world if you have no intention of expanding upon it. I think some worlds that have this expansive information about their fantasy worlds often need to explain more than they're pre- even presenting. And a example of this, an example of a more extensive world building, is probably either Harry Potter or, more precisely, Lord of the Rings, where... Pretty much everything is explained so you, if you want to, you can have an encyclopedic knowledge of every little thing about this world, but you can choose not to because a lot of it is explained in a way that is pleasing in a storytelling fashion. With Ghibli films you're not given this information, you're given the information that is provided to characters who are fish out of water and you kind of need to be able to manage to build a better picture with it from there
1: and i think it's very interesting the way they do the soft world building because you can if you want research some of the more culturally significant themes in the film if you would like and for a few people who would watch that that would almost be ingrained so a few people would go into this movie with a little more understanding than most but it doesn't change how you perceive the film as a whole which I really love. Everything that Chihiro is given is given on a need-to-know basis, almost. Yeah. And whatever she's given is, e.g. when she's disappearing at the start of the movie, Haku finds her and immediately just goes, don't panic, I'm here to help, you need to eat some of this food or you will disappear. And she doesn't want to do it. And he's like, no, you have to, or you will cease to exist. And we immediately go, oh, okay, so eating from all of the context clues that we're given and what happens to the parents we're like eating too much food is bad but you still need to have eaten this food from this world or you can't exist in it and it's a really subtle way of world building that gives you all of the pieces of a puzzle but doesn't give you all of the information it still leaves a lot of it up to interpretation and imagination
0: yeah yeah what I was more actually trying to talk about was that the world itself gives us very clear glimpses into a world expanding out from it, and that this spirit world is extends far beyond the bathhouse. We're given a really good sign of that in the train journey across, where we actually get a really long scene in which we are given imagery to small towns out in the distance and even right at the start we're actually given insight into another city across the water and we're never given an explanation to those areas we just assume that they're part of the spirit world and they probably are but one scene i found incredibly captivating was a scene on the train where they pass a train station out in the middle of nowhere and the train doesn't stop it just keeps going Mm mm-hmm And we see figures that look nothing like the spirits that we'd seen in the bathhouse.
1: They almost look just like the shadows of business people.
0: Exactly. But we're left with that and then nothing more and it's this completely unexplained mysterious section to the spirit world that we're never given insight into, but it has this incredibly captivating presence because it, one, is beautifully designed, it is a beautiful watercolor kind of image but then also there's this just subtle symbolism in it where there's a little girl alone on the train station. Well, the silhouette of the little girl alone on the train station. And then we pass by, and you can latch onto that symbolism all you want, but the truth of the matter is we have no idea what this even means, and we're left to just kind of move on. And that's what, and I think that's the subtle beauty of the Ghibli films and Spirited Away more specifically, is that we're given time to let this mystery of the rest of the world, of the spirit world, sink in, but we never get an a- answer for any of it, and as a result, we have to be okay with that, otherwise, we'll go mad. And it's not actually that sense, but it's this given understanding that there is gonna be stuff in life that we're never gonna fully understand but as long as we have enough to keep going and live a happy life then that's all that matters i
1: apologize for not sort of getting your point when you first started it but yeah you're completely right it gives you this glimpse into what is a much larger world this isn't just the bathhouse it's there's a spirit world or a spirit side to so much more than we can see or even get into in the movie, and they do a really good job of, just like you said, giving you this information, but also teaching you almost that not everything has to have an answer.
0: Yeah, and that is a really good kind of pathway, or not a pathway, a good lead into my pointless research in that with what you said in your previous points that you can look into this stuff, What I find really interesting with my pointless research is that if you look into this stuff, it probably won't help you with this film, in all honesty. Oh,
1: really?
0: Yeah, genuinely, it will not help you with this film. That is because Hayao Miyazaki was inspired by actual folklore, but he didn't actually use it fully. And as a result, he has created a film that is completely his own, or completely its own in its sense, but that leads on to this week's pointless research, which is the spirits of Spirited Away. So, Spirited Away, this entire film, is based around the the concept of kamikakushui, which is when a human is abducted into the spirit world. This anomaly was used in Japanese folklore throughout early eras in Japan as an explanation for why children mysteriously disappeared on occasion. And you would think, that's quite dark, that's quite a dark concept because these children would go missing and upon expansive kind of reading of this concept it was always a negative thing it was a negative aspect of folklore where the children would either come back negatively changed or not at all it It almost
1: reminds me of mushroom circles and the fae stealing people away if they step into their domain
0: here is my here's the next kind of part of that point is that what's incredibly interesting is that this is actually a universal concept in folklore and I was going to use the fae is one good example of it but also in Scandinavian folklore there is a creature known as the broodmare who would take children away as well and it's this weirdly consistent aspect to many cultures and many cultures folklore is that there was always this explanation for why children went missing and in the eras in which folklore was most prominent, was during times where there was never any solid way of finding people who had gone missing, there was no solid way of catching murderers, and then there was also no scientific way or logical way of ensuring that the people who lived in this town would always stay in it. And it comes from small town folklore where. You wouldn't know what's happening in the next town over so ultimately your your spectrum of perception was always quite short and I find it quite I find it quite interesting that this film is built around that concept in that it is really lovely that it is taken in a positive way of course because holy crap this is such a dark aspect of folklore like genuinely it's it's dark as fuck because it's about You know, you never want something bad to happen to kids But it's this terrifying reality That it was so prominent That it is actually universal across cultures Mm, mm -hmm. But this isn't what the Pointless research is about It's the spirits of Spirited Away Not missing children of Spirited Away So, (laughs) moving forward In the film, Chichiro goes through a tunnel To reach the spirit world Uh, This is synonymous with Japanese folklore As tunnels were considered to be Gateways to other worlds and i find that really interesting as as a concept of spirituality and folklore is that there were real tangible ways of getting into the spirit world in this folklore but then there was also a respect around it that people didn't because of that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and moving moving forward just a little bit the bathhouse has historical and religious ties because in history it was commonplace to invite spirits to bathe with the living as an offering of peace. Hence why this film focuses mainly around a bathhouse. It is this way of consistently tying back to actual folklore and spirituality without necessarily directly referencing it, and I find that quite beautiful. Mm. For sure. But then, onto to Yubaba, who in this film comes across as basically middle management for a bathhouse, but in actual folklore yubaba is a hag that would turn humans into animals to eat but also they were known for being quite kind to their families hence why in this film yubaba is quite doting to her baby which i find i think this is one of the only like ways where you could kind of gather a connection to actual folklore is that the yubaba or yubaba is quite tied to i got this wrong but it's yamaoba in japanese folklore
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: in that they are generally not kind to humanity but kind to family and to people who deserve reward as well that's also an interesting distinction at one point you i remember you talking about the the little paper like figures that chase after haku
1: the shikigami
0: yeah they're known as shikigami in actual folklore they don't do a whole lot they just observe the world but they can also take the form of anything they choose which is also oh. quite interesting.
1: Yeah, because they're sort of like in the movie, they're less like paper birds and almost yeah. like a string of people that kids would cut out. Yeah, basically,
0: fast. and that that is quite interesting for sure. But I do like how Miyazaki moved it towards them having more of a use, whereas in they weren't, they didn't really do much. They kind of just existed and floated around. But actually, leads on to my final point, which I find super interesting, but the radish spirit. We're going to talk about this guy. So this, yeah,
1: I was reading your notes. It's a little concerning.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this fat fucker, who basically <laughs> stands in an elevator and is just fat and gets in the way most of the way. He's, he's this annoying big guy who just follows Chihiro and Lin around. And, yeah, he, and he also has this, like, sinister nature about him. But... The Radish spirit is based on oshiru sama which is a figure based around a legend of a woman's love for a horse. So, stay with me. Which had been killed and skinned by her father. Again, stay with me. When, okay. <laughs> when the woman went to pray to her horse, silkworms entwined the horse's, horse's skin and the woman together, forming the Oshiru-Sama. Ultimately, this doesn't look like a radish. It looks like a woman contained inside the skin of a horse. But this is what I've been assured to believe the Radish spirit is based around. Which I find so strange that I'm not gonna question it further.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I kinda wanna question it further. But no, that's not he's our, a radish. Not our, he's just a big radish man. No.
0: What I was kinda so confused what I was really kinda of hoping for in well in in Spirit of Away there's so much really beautiful character design for the spirits. And I think that they're giving this, this incredibly lovely uniqueness to them. Other than, of course, the ducks and the, the cloaked figures. But they all have this like really lovely character design which makes them all vibrant within the world. And I think the Radish spirit, though his origins is quite strange. I find the Radish spirit to be such an interesting concept. Or uh, such an interesting character art or character design that it outweighs the lack of consistency to its to its inspiration Hmm. to the point where i like it can be passed off as anything you know radish spirit is a radish he's probably not the spirit of radishes of course but you could just be like well in japan they have radishes and they cook foods with radishes so radish spirit cool there are ducks they're like baby chicks that are like the size of me and if you don't know i'm like six foot two so ultimately they're these big ducks that are just like there and it's no one questions that it's like the radish spirit with no pants on that people question it doesn't matter (laughs) it's also quite interesting that he's the only radish spirit as well you don't see many others or any others
1: no the you and really he only shows up in two scenes as well which is when you first meet him and he's incredibly unsettling and then at the very end he makes a background appearance where he is in fact wearing clothes and celebrating yeah
0: and i think that's why he stands out of course because he's given quite a great deal of prominence in the film even if he is only in two scenes but he also effectively impedes chihiro's progression just by a little bit
1: just by being uncomfortably large yeah exactly and she's in an elevator and he steps into the elevator as well and she kind of has to struggle past him to make the elevator move
0: yeah exactly and it's i would say he impedes her progression but ultimately doesn't have much of an effect on the story in any way No. But I did find it interesting that his folklore origin has nothing to do with his character design.
1: Yeah, I'm... Oh, gosh, that's upsetting.
0: (laughs) Ah, what can you do? You know, that's that's folklore. But I think, like, it's probably a perfect time to talk about Chihiro. Chihiro? Chihiro, yeah, because we haven't really talked about her, and she is the protagonist. We
1: haven't. Now, when we first start the film, I do actually want to make it make it noted that Chihiro is a little bit of a scared cat. Yeah. And I really enjoy that because as I've said before, she's 10 years old. Of course, yeah. they walk through a dark tunnel and she clings to her mother because she doesn't want to get left behind. And even at the end of the film, they mirror that clinging motion whereas they're walking through the tunnel, Chihiro is still nervous about the dark yeah. space despite how brave she's been.
0: Yeah, she's she's consistently afraid of the dark.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And I really love that at the end of it, she is still just a ten-year-old with a big heart who is very kind.
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone who watches this film is not going to like Chihiro. I think she is a very easy character to like, for sure. And as she's the character with the most lines of dialogue, the most action within the story, she's our goddamn protagonist, I think it's important to make her likable. And... I think having this little girl be in a world she doesn't understand completely alone you immediately latch onto her with sympathy because it's scary for a little girl to be alone in a world she doesn't understand but then Mm -hmm. she also starts to take it on herself and she takes the world in her stride eventually and it's really wonderful to watch because she's not broken down by this world that she doesn't fully understand and has turned her parents into pigs, she is more focused on doing everything she can to save her parents and then get out of there. Not in a, I need to get out of this place like a horror movie kind of way but I need to go home. Yeah. Whatever home is for her, which it isn't where she came from anymore because her family's moved away. But at least to the real world or the human world and i find that really interesting i also really like that chihiro is consistently kind throughout the film in that she may not fully understand what's going on but once introduced to concepts that are synonymous with the spirit world like bowing when you leave thanking people she does it for everyone then when someone does even the night like the littlest nicest thing for her or just hands or something she's like thank you and it's such a it's she's just such a lovely character I think I think it's it doesn't need to get any more complicated than that in any respect but she is just a really nice kind-hearted little girl who's just trying to do and the right thing
1: one of her main character traits is that she's just very down-to-earth even when no face sort of goes through his yeah corruption arc
0: <laughs> yeah i also would say um, just before we get mm-hmm. on to that specifically i do really like that the kind of main conflict of the film is just brought about by a misunderstanding in yeah that it's Chihiro really nice. just goes oh i thought he was a guest and he was out in the rain and it's like she's such a nice little girl that she was just like well why don't you come in and then he was like i'm inside and I'm going to do bad things well not I'm not going to do bad things but he's like I'm inside and now that's you know a bad thing but she doesn't know that she's a human girl from the human world but it's it's exactly. it's not brought about by any character greed or character flaw it's brought about just by misunderstanding and I think that's really Mm -hmm. good within this film because in a film where there is such solid positive characterization of all of the characters I think halting the story for a negative characterization or a negative character flaw would have been in the film's detriment, for sure.
1: Yeah. And, of course, No Face is a very interesting character in and of itself. Yeah. But what I really like, of course, what I was saying, is she's very down-to-earth and honest, is yeah. we see the parents turn into pigs because they get greedy and eat food that isn't their own
0: yeah. with
1: no one there to confirm whether or not it's something they can eat. Yeah. No-Face offers gold and bath tokens and pretty much anything he could possibly think of to gain favour with Chihiro. Yeah. And she is constantly only taking what she needs.
0: Yeah, So when much. he gives
1: her the bath token, she's like, oh, thank you, but I only needed the one. But mm. then he kind of disappears and leaves them with her. So she goes, okay, I may as well keep them.
0: Yeah. I would But even when say, he tries oh, to sorry. give
1: her food and gold she's like no thank you i don't need it i actually have something important to attend to she's very polite she's very courteous but she's also not giving in to any i suppose greed
0: yeah and i what i find really interesting is also that in i think the one situation where she eats in this film she she's given the food she doesn't ask for the food or anything like that and i think it's a nice way of just ensuring that we have this level path within the story where she's not looking for something or seeking something out so even with situations where she's she needs food to live and survive she's it's given to her and Mm -hmm. without her having to ask or without having to seek it out either which is just a nice way of just keeping her character consistent
1: Really, the only things that she asks in the movie is for a job. Yeah. To be able to leave with her parents. And even then, that's more something that Haku does on her behalf. And for people to leave Haku alive when he's really, really sick.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: She only ever asks for things to help others or things that she has been told to ask for. She's very... Polite, she doesn't sort of just yeah. want anything in this movie.
0: Which does lead the question: How did her parent How are her parents the way they are, with a daughter like that who surely grew up in an environment where she was surrounded by her parents and learned from her parents? Because she's like, I would ask just as a question that I think I know the answer to, but if you were in a seemingly abandoned amusement park and you could smell food and you saw it there unattended to, would you go over there and eat That's- it?
1: Oh, it's super sus. Yeah, I actually do have a little bit of a headcanon about this, which is, of course, there is the thought in a lot of cultures that children and the elderly especially are more attuned to the supernatural and more likely to see through the supernatural sure. world. So I feel like almost but- the food itself was like bait in a trap. So it might have been enticing on purpose, especially that you've told, especially now that you've told me, of course, about Yubaba's origins. It may have just been a, ooh, smell this food, come in and become livestock for the spirits to eat. Possibly. Type of vibe is my head cone. But also, if I walked into a seemingly abandoned theme park and there was the smell of freshly cooked food, I would be incredibly suspicious and yeah. getting the hell out of dodge.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> with that with that respect, yeah, that makes perfect sense. If that it's spirit world food, it's probably very enticing because in the spirit world, you don't really have to have shit food.
1: Yeah, no, you don't really need to eat at all, so of course anything that you are eating would be incredibly high quality and yeah, incredibly Or just tasty.
0: purely for pleasure, you know, for the joy of eating something delicious. So yeah, in that respect, I get that but it's also this like sense that dad and mum go racing into this abandoned area and then they're just like yeah let's just eat we'll pay the the cook when he shows up and it's like that's so rude that is such a rude thing to do i think in any culture but yeah i think we'll lead on to the just a few little notes about animation and the visual style i think in this film red is used quite strongly and i think that's Purely because it just it just pops in this film mm-hmm. just so well, and the use of color is incredibly vibrant, but not overpoweringly so. I think On it does. The
1: topic. Oh, oh no! Can finish your sentence. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think it does a really good job of providing enough vibrance so that we are just blown away with the sheer color palette of the spirit world, but then also we're not given so much that we feel ill from seeing too much color and it's all colored that mixes well and matches well. So it's It's never, almost it's
1: natural. In, yeah. Like obviously they're very vibrant colors, but it doesn't feel oversaturated or unnatural in well, its coloring. Yeah. It feels very
0: It doesn't palatable. contrast. It doesn't mm-hmm. contrast constantly, so it ends up being just a very well put together image and as a result it's just a beautiful film to keep going back to. So what were you saying?
1: I was going to say, on the topic of animation, uh, you actually gave me a really cool tidbit while we were watching the movie, and I thought you yeah. could share with the class about the 3D animation inter- integration that yeah, they Yeah,
0: so this is the first Ghibli film that integrates 3D imagery and technology, so the idea for it was that it would help reduce the amount of strain on illustration of backgrounds. It's most commonly used in the scene running through the flower field towards the yep. towards the barn with all the pigs inside. And towards then, the pig then. Yeah, and then it is used sporadically throughout the film for backgrounds that are moving in the distance and for little aspects that would be incredibly annoying and difficult to animate by hand. And for that it's a really good use of the 3D technology because it Allows for the animators and the illustrated animators to focus on what's most important, and that's making a beautiful looking film wherever they're needed. The one point where it actually doesn't necessarily age well is I think it's used once for water physics with the river spirit that was the stink spirit. Yeah, yeah, the stink
1: spirit that ends up being a river spirit.
0: Yeah, in a scene where the water. Bubbles out of the spa, it actually kind of is not that it doesn't clip well, but it looks like 3D technology from 2001. And as a result, you're just like, it doesn't ruin the film, of course, but it's also just like, ah, uh, that's 3D on a 2D background. It stands out a little bit. On with the film. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting that they use that integration well because in previous stuff, I don't know if Howl's Moving Castle came out before or after Spirited Away. I don't think it did, but Howl's Moving Castle doesn't use this. And yeah, well
1: Howl's Moving Castle came out in two thousand and four and I'm oh, pretty shit. sure
0: Well then it probably Spirited did it Away it.
1: came out in two thousand and one.
0: It does come out in two thousand and one, yeah. But
1: I think they do use it. In yeah, Howl's in that Living
0: case Castle. then they do use it, but it's in it's they've had more time to practice and integrate it more smoothly. To the point where it's unnoticeable, whereas with this, this is the first time it's being used, and it's done incredibly well. One of the ones that I've, one of the sections that I've seen, praised to oblivion is the opening scene where they're in the car and the dad is racing through the, to to his knowledge, unknown pathway, towards the spirit realm.
1: He's so reckless. It gives me such anxiety.
0: There's actually a really nice little bit of trivia for this, actually. The animators rented out that car in the real world and drove it around so that they could get the animation correct on it. So that car's animation style is accurate to the brand and make and model of that car because they tested that's, one out. And that's that's just great. So dang cute. If you're an animator, that's, that's the most fun you can have, I think. If you're just like oh, we need to do some, some asset work. testing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go out and do stuff like that. But yeah, the the whole background is all 3D modeling. And as a result, it still looks incredible. And it's nigh unnoticeable. But it's it's some of the best 3D work in this film, for sure. And I think <laughs> it, it it gets better and better and integrated more. And more until in House Moving Castle, you just cannot notice it at all. So yeah, but that's that's all yeah. I really have to say about that specifically.
1: Another I... part of this movie, which I think is really good, moving away from the animation and stylization of the movie, which is of course timeless, is the music. I don't think we've spoken yeah. about the music at all yet.
0: Yeah, I was about to lead on to it, so this is a perfect opportunity <laughs> to talk about it. So, what did you think about the music?
1: I. Love the music. One of my favorite scores in this movie is actually that No Face has his own theme song.
0: Yeah. And I
1: really love that he does because it gives him a sinister feel when we first introduced to him as an important character without revealing what's going to happen. You just hear the music and it just feels a little menacing and you're like, oh, okay, he seems like a dangerous spirit. And then every other interaction you have on him, besides the music reinforcing this sort of unease, he just seems so inept and shy. And I just really love how they're telling a story not just with the background animation the effort they put into all the characters the way that they leave a lot of the story up to your own interpretation but also with the music it all just comes together really really well
0: yeah absolutely and i think what really works well for this film is that none of the music is necessarily dramatic in the sense that it would be negative in that there is no challenging kind of music there is triumphant music but then there's also music that is dramatic and fast paced but has this essence of an upbeat tone and as a result the film never feels negative at any point or dra- or dramatically in the negative or dire at any point which helps reinforce that this is a children's film mm-hmm. or a film mostly aimed at kids for sure adults can ab- absolutely enjoy this but this is a kid's film so as a result i think it's a really good idea that they made sure that the music was always positive and upbeat but also remained true to it a very traditional style and a traditional folklore kind of vibe and atmosphere and as a result it just builds upon everything that the visual style the writing style and the voice acting and everything culminates to a perfect point in this film so that the film is enjoyable for so many different reasons and if you want to pick it apart you'll just find more little beautiful things within it.
1: Yeah, and I you said it really well when we were watching Surf's Up actually. Yeah. Because this is animated, there's obviously you've said it before in filming there are sometimes happy accidents. Yeah. But in animation everything is planned and it really was planned perfectly everything goes together really well you can tell that there was a lot of effort and thought put into the culmination of all the parts to make something very very good it wasn't just oh and it needs music so we're going to get music they really thought about how they could use the music to enhance the story and the vibe of the world
0: yeah and what I think is interesting that you bring it back to Surf's Up is that in Surf's Up, I feel I felt the animation was always incredibly intentional and as a result, exceedingly clever for the year it came out. Yeah. With Spirited Away, I actually have a different sense to it in that I know it's intentional, but all of it comes across as incredibly natural. Well, to be more specific about that... It's an animation so everything is done with intention and there's nothing on screen that wasn't meant to be there but they've made it seem so natural and that is also intentional which makes it all the more intelligent and incredibly sophisticated in terms of just the sheer challenge that it would have been to make this film as good as it is and do everything intentionally but not make it obvious that it is done so intentionally
1: Yeah, they do a really good job of like making everything feel natural. Even the colors are incredibly vibrant, but still somehow feel rooted in a more neutral. Yeah, exactly. They are rooted in a more neutral, natural color palette. They're all very vibrant. Like you said, red is one of the main colors used, but it doesn't ever feel like a candy red. It always feels like a red that fits in with the lush yeah. green or it's, the water the blue of the water it's very very well done
0: yeah it's it's vibrant but it's grounded in, in reality only just a little bit exaggerated which gives it this familiar feeling without it being alienating as well which i think well it makes it feel different but not to the point where it feels alienating for us and as a result we have this not unnerving but definitely noticeable or noteworthy disconnect where everything in the scene feels familiar but it also doesn't feel familiar and it's, it's this perfect juxtaposition within it which is absolutely wonderful but okay. with all that said I think we should get on to our final notes do you have anything left to say about this film before we wrap up?
1: I do have one last question, and it was just, of course, what is the main theme that you see in this movie? I'm really interested to get your thoughts on what the main theme was to you.
0: Theme, that's a tough one, honestly. (laughs) Because themes and genres, they make sense for categorization, but I think it's when, when it comes down to this kind of stuff, there's always this sense that it's a children's film, so you could always just say it's a children's film. and then leave it at that but i think it's a it's definitely a fantasy but leaning more heavily towards a spiritual fantasy or fantasization of actual folklore and actual spiritual beliefs so i would say fantasy but with a caveat to it in that it's not fantasy like what most Western cultures are used to, it's definitely a fantasy that is built and ingrained within its own culture and when introduced to the Western society, it was a really refreshing change from what we were used to. So, yeah. yeah,
1: following on from that, what do you think the underlying sort of message or moral to this movie was?
0: Uh, <laughs> look, I think you can you can take away a lot from this. You could Mm -hmm. go be true to yourself. (laughs) I
1: suppose, what's the one that you took away? What struck you as, Um, struck a chord within you?
0: God, honestly, I think it's, it's that, this sense that you should, like, sure, be true to yourself, of course, but with everything that goes on in life, life continues to go on. And Mm -hmm. if you fight against it, you're just going to be erased from it so you should run with it and it's one of the things that it's taken me so long to figure out but if you go with the tide or you go with the way the world is moving and revolving not necessarily saying follow the status quo but if you don't fight against what's what destiny is coming your way then the world is yours to enjoy mm-hmm. so I think that
1: that's, that's a really good one <laughs> I, think,
0: I think it's quite broad and that works for me because I'm not a specific man
1: <laughs> definitely I, I just really really love this movie I suppose yeah. closing points for me I love a lot of the through lines through this I love that it has this moral of remembering and cherishing the things that are important to you even if they may seem mundane and also this inherent respect and everyone never judge anyone by first glance you know there's always more to someone than your initial thoughts which i really really enjoy
0: yeah absolutely but with that said we will leave you with the hint for this week so our old hint for those of you who do not remember was another film where our female protagonist is dropped into a world they do not know and are left to tackle faceless foes. If you managed so to get good. that, hopefully you enjoyed it because I really enjoyed writing it. Because
1: oh god, you wrote it and I noticed? lost it. It was so good.
0: If you don't, if you at this point still don't get it, it faceless foes is a reference to no face. Clearly, <laughs> now that now that you see that, excellent. You you've got a nice little headway into the new hint, which for this week is another film where the magic of our world. Is more than it appears to be at first glance. One could even say they need to look twice. Have a guess, give it a go. Even if you're guessing just in your own head for the next episode, please feel free to comment in the comments on comment YouTube. Comment
1: in the comments yeah. hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us yeah. know your thoughts.
0: And with with that mentioned, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram, uh Monique is at Nexatai on Twitter and I am at Grey Mouse Inc. on Twitter. You can also reach out to me at Will on Instagram. I usually respond more there, so if you want a quicker response, go there. But ultimately, it's up to you. Feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear some feedback. We'd love to hear your guesses. But with all that said, I think we'll see you guys next week.